I'm going to be reading from God's Word, but I'd ask Kelly if he would uh, join me here, and uh, I'd like to take just a moment and pray for him and for his ministry, and pray for this congregation that we might be blessed by it, and that great things might happen in the next while in this community. So would you pray with me, please? Holy God, I'd like to uh, thank you for the way that you have blessed us. I'd like to thank you, Father, for Kelly and for his ministry, for the way he leads. And Father, we want to lift him up before you at this time. We ask, Father, that uh, you would bless him and his family. We pray, Father, that uh, your spirit would be with him that as he ministers to us, he might say the things that need to be said, that we might listen with intent of hearts, with open ears, and that, Father, you might truly bless him and that you might bless this congregation, and that we might be able to accomplish great and wonderful things with you and for you and for the people of this community. And so, Father, we commit him and his work to you, and we ask for a great and wonderful blessing in his life. And we ask this, Father, through Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be reading from God's Word from John chapter 21, beginning at verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Well, I notice that the new father is here. The new baby is not here, correct? Mommy's not here, but you're here. Charles, congratulations. We're glad that you're here. I also noticed that uh, Barb Zorn is with us this morning. And so, Barb, we love you. And we're continuing to pray for you, and we're just so grateful that you're here today. I would like you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 21, if you're not there already. Was it 769, I think, in the Pew Bibles? I appreciate David's prayer. I do want God to bless us as we move forward. Last week was, uh, was all about the resurrection. It was a wonderful Sunday. I really enjoyed the blessing of being together with you on Easter Sunday and worshiping. Over a three-week period, 
we've gone from first being asleep in the garden. You might remember things like a pillow. To the darkness of the crucifixion. To the expanding light of resurrection. And I, I, like I don't know. Um, in some ways I wrestled with this idea of just the expanding light of the resurrection because you think when Jesus raises from the dead, there's this huge light that should come on to the world. But if you think about it, in many ways, it still was a very small light. When Jesus rose from the dead in Galilee, not many people knew. Just a band of people in the beginning. It took a while for that to grow. And so at, at the beginning, it wasn't a bright light. To us, it seems like a bright light because it had such an impact on the world. But in many ways, it was a small light. And so we started with just some candles and eventually that light grew. Now, all of that, those three lessons, being asleep and then the darkness of the crucifixion and then the light that comes with resurrection, all of those had to do uh, with our life group lessons. And so those of you who are uh, going through life groups, been through those lessons, or are going through those lessons, you'll recognize that we've been looking at Jesus for quite some time. And all of those lessons, up until this morning, have been pre-resurrection kinds of lessons. And then, of course, last week with the resurrection. What I want to do in the next few weeks is to move into a short series on post-resurrection experiences of Jesus. The pre-resurrection ones are wonderful, and that tells most of the story. But there are some things that happen in the post-resurrection of Jesus that are also wonderful. And the, part of the reason I'm also doing that is because uh, the number of lessons that we have for life groups are pretty much finished. Now, most life groups are behind where I'm at on Sunday mornings. And so if you're in a series of, you're doing the life group series and, and studying through the Gospels, you might be several lessons behind me, and we've got a few weeks left of, for most, most life groups to continue. Uh, and so you're going to continue with the stories from the life of Jesus. And since we're kind of done with that on Sunday mornings, I want to move into something a little bit different, starting with, again, this short series on the post-resurrection ministry of Jesus. Now, when I think of post-resurrection, I think of things like power. I think of things like presence. I think of Jesus being with the church. But it's interesting that in the scriptures, that's not exactly what happens, at least not right at the beginning. And so, post-resurrection appearances, noteworthy note one, is this. The post-resurrection appearances of Jesus are almost exclusively made to his apostles. To those whom he is called to lead in his absence. Now Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that there are actually about 500 people or so in addition to the apostles that Jesus appeared to. But we don't have any other mention of that. And there's no indication of that. There's no... Um, Detailing of that in the Gospels themselves. Instead, what we find in the Gospels immediately is Jesus appearing to the apostles and having some kind of impact specifically on them as the leaders that he is going to teach. 
Now you might think, well, that means that we don't have a whole lot to say here. He was talking to the apostles. He wasn't talking necessarily to us. And so what, what would the post-resurrection appearances have to say to the church today? Well, I do think that there's something there for us to get as well. Because post-resurrection appearances noteworthy note two says the following factor. And when I say the following factor, I just don't mean, oh, this is the next factor. I mean, there is a following factor. There are, there's something about following. And that thing about following is this. Much of what Jesus did and most of the things the apostles did and taught post-resurrection are to be continued in some way by the church and its leaders. Which means that if I look at the New Testament and I ask the question, what was going on in the New Testament following the resurrection of Jesus? What was Jesus doing? What was he doing with those people, those apostles who are going to be leaders? And then how does this following factor impact us? Because I think it does. And the point is this. The point is, is that because... Jesus spoke to the apostles and ministered to them, told them about himself, and called them to certain things. There are certain things that the church also is called to. Now, the following factor. Look at this, John 13. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Clearly, Jesus is our example. In this case, it specifically has to do with love, loving one another. He wants us to love one another the way that he loved one another. And so we're supposed to follow Jesus in that. John 13, 34, as I have loved you, you must love one another. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Here we have the Apostle Paul speaking and saying, we need to follow Jesus. And then as we follow Jesus, we want all the church to follow Jesus. Just makes some sense. And then 2 Timothy 2, two, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Now, this is what I'm calling, calling the following factor. The point is, is that the apostles were to hear the instruction of Jesus and to mimic Christ. We want to hear the instruction of Jesus, and mimic Christ. We also want to hear the instruction of the apostles, and in that sense, mimic the apostles, and be what God wants us to do, or to be. Now, Oren Bailey, I'd like for you to come up here if you would, please. Everybody give Oren some incentive. Give him a hand. Show him you love him. Okay? I, I chose Oren for two reasons. One is because he was sitting there not paying attention at all. <laughs> no. I have heard that Oren is an excellent mimicker. Like your mom has told me that if you're in the backseat of the car, they can be driving along and they'll be having some conversation. And all of a sudden, Oren begins to mock his parents. Ron, does that ever happen? <laughs> and so he starts mocking them. And so I wanted you to mock me for a minute, okay? I'm, I, want, I want you to show these people how it is that you go about um, mimicking people, copying them. You know how people say, you know, don't copy me, okay? Yeah. Okay, I want you to copy me for a minute, okay? Can you do that? Okay. Okay, let's go. Um. Go ahead and copy me. 
Are my hands in my pockets? Okay. Okay, I want you to copy me. Okay? Okay. 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 I don't... I don't talk with a nasally voice. Okay. Oh, see? You didn't do it. Yeah. You don't talk with a nasally voice. Orin... How's he doing? He's doing okay. Is my foot up? Okay. Did you do this when I did it? Yeah, I did. No. Is that what I said? Do you want me to copy you exactly? <laughs> of course. Okay. I want you to copy me exactly. I think you're starting to get the point. I'm starting to get the point. I am? I am. <laughs> okay. Um, um. <laughs> Ron, this could get irritating Ron, really, get fast. really fast. <laughs> <laughs> and the problem is, is that and once you get him going, he's not going to stop. Right? Because now I'll say, okay, Orrin, that's, okay, enough. Orin, that's enough. <laughs> and, he, and he won't stop. <laughs> and this could go on a long time. A long time. I was afraid this might happen. <laughs> because now I can say, Orrin, would you please take a seat? <laughs> Well done, my friend. I know that we can't look exactly like Jesus. I know that I can't, I can't preach like the Apostle Paul. Although it's interesting. If you've ever read 2 Corinthians, one of the real knocks on Paul is that he wasn't a very good preacher. Huh? Huh? So it, it could be that you have so, someone just like the Apostle Paul standing in front of you. Okay? The Apostle Paul is, is not... I'd love to be like him, but I don't think I'm going to be like him entirely. But it's so clear to me when I read the New Testament that the kind of mimicry, the kind of following after Jesus and the Apostles is what Christ wants from us. He, wa- he does want us to be like him. So when I turn to John chapter 21... And I read the description of Jesus speaking to Peter and telling Peter what it is that he wants him to be and to do. It starts to make me think that I need to be like that. And so, John 21, from our noteworthy notes, we know at least two things. Because what Jesus is saying in John 21 is post-resurrection. It's going to be directed, first of all, at those whom he's he's appointing to lead. But secondly, the following factor means that we're most likely expected to follow what Jesus taught the apostles. And when it comes to ministry, when it comes to following after Jesus from John 21, there are about three things that really need to be said. First of all, Notice Jesus' question to Peter. What is the question that Jesus keeps asking of Peter? Do you love me? Now, he says this in a couple of different ways. He says it using different Greek words, actually. And I think that's purposeful. I think Jesus says what he says in different Greek words to try and make a point with Peter, asking him the question, do you really, really love me? 
And so he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And Peter says, then feed my sheep or Jesus says, feed my sheep. But when he says that, he says that, first of all, in response to the question that Jesus asks about, do you love me with this phileo kind of love? Now, we oftentimes refer to phileo, that kind of love, as being a friendship kind of love. Where Jesus is saying, do you phileo me? Do you have this kind of friendship love with me? And Peter says, yes, I I love you, Lord, I do. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. But I don't think Jesus is convinced that Peter absolutely loves him. And I don't know that Peter, when he answers the question, yes, I love you, really answers exactly with all of the heart, with all the commitment, with all of the devotion, with a kind of enrapturous, I love you with every part of my being kind of love. I don't think Peter quite answers that way. And so Jesus asks him the question again, and then he asks him the question again a third time, each time asking, do you love me? And Peter's saying, yes. And the point in looking at that for the moment is simply that if we're going to be what God wants us to be, part of the mimicry, part of the copying that has to go on, is that the people who are wanting to serve Jesus are going to have to absolutely be in love with him. And that's a question I guess I want to ask us this morning. Whether or not you, in your heart, love Christ. And I kind of want to stop, as you can tell, and and force you and force me to answer that question this morning. I, I, I don't want to know whether or not you come to church on Sunday morning. I don't want to know how much you, you gave in the contribution today. And as much as we talk about discipleship and talking to other people about Jesus, I'm not so much interested this morning about whether or not you ever talk to anybody about Jesus. That's important. But right here, as Jesus is getting ready to leave, as this gospel is closing out, the question that he asks of Peter is, do you love me? It's not even a question of, do you believe in me? It's not a question of, do you think that I'm Messiah? It's not a question of, do you think that the Bible is the word of God? It's not a question about, do you believe my word? What Jesus wants to know of you, at least this morning, is, do you Love him. Now for those of you who are not normally here on Sunday morning, maybe you're a guest with us today. That might seem a strange question to ask. I thought we were supposed to worship him. 
I thought he was God. Can you be in love with God? And the answer is absolutely yes. And the answer is that that is what he is and wants from you more than anything else. And so I want you to reflect in your life a bit this week about the question, do you truly love him? The second part of all of this, of course, gets into the feed my sheep part. What I note here is that Jesus is talking to this one who will have a major role within the church as the time of the church unfolds and as he leads the church. He's asked about loving Christ and then is commissioned by Jesus, giving in fact a threefold commission, maybe to counteract the three times that Peter denies Jesus. Is this Jesus accepting Peter back, accepting Peter back into his fold, back into the role of discipleship? And in this case, Peter's asking the question and Jesus says, or Jesus asks the question and Peter says, yes, I love you. And then Jesus says, feed my sheep. And the point is, is that real service to Christ is always going to be best when it flows out of a heart that is absolutely filled with love for Jesus. I know people who do things for Christ for legalistic purposes. They do things for Jesus because they feel guilty. Or they do things for Jesus because they think that, they think that that's what's expected. They do things for Christ because that's what other people around them are doing. But the foundation for Christian ministry, the foundation for service, for doing the good things that God wants us to do, the basis here is, do you love me? And the third time that he asks him that question, do you love me? He specifically uses a word for love that requires devotion and commitment and all out giving over oneself to another. We always say it's unconditional love, and that might be part of it too. But the point of this kind of love is to give one's self completely to another. And Jesus wants to ask, do you love me in this way? And then do you, because of that, long to give yourselves to others? Will you feed my sheep? Will you care for them? Take care of them and minister in my name because you love me. And that's the foundation and the source for real Christian ministry. And then the last thing I want to say is, if there's any way in which this is somehow directed toward Peter as a leader in the church who's supposed to feed the sheep and care for them, then the following factor that I mentioned earlier comes into play. Because I certainly think that our leaders are called to do this. In fact, as we look at the post-resurrection experiences of Jesus, we're going to find that over and over again, he's dealing with the apostles. He's speaking to the leaders. It sounds like he's commissioning them. It sounds as if there's not a whole lot there for us because he's commissioning the leaders. 
But in this passage and all the others we'll look at, the following factor comes into play. And the following factor says we're going to follow after him. Follow after him. Follow after them. We're going to be like that. So that, yeah, 30 years after Jesus is gone, there are still apostles. But 130 years after Jesus is gone, there are not. A thousand and thirty years there are not. Two thousand years and thirty years after there are not. And so the church continues to replicate the ministry of Jesus by following after him and the apostles. So there is something here for you and for me. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And we all have that responsibility and need to do that. Recently, Michelle Muirhead, we mentioned this on a Sunday morning, was over visiting Margaret. Margaret had been in pain, hadn't been feeling well. She'd seen some doctors. They'd tried some things. She wasn't getting any better. Finally, Michelle says, Margaret, I'm taking you to the hospital. So she does. We find out that Margaret has actually some quite critical, severe kinds of back issues. That's why she was in pain. They were able to treat her and evaluate her, give her a diagnosis. I praise the Lord for that, but what I really praise the Lord for was that there was somebody, Michelle Muirhead in this case, who was out feeding sheep. She was out feeding sheep. And it wasn't because anybody said you have to do this. It wasn't because she picked up her Bible one day and said, oh, I better do this or I'm not going to be saved. It's because uh, Michelle loved Margaret, loved her with an agape kind of love. And because she did, she was able to minister and feed sheep. If Margaret was here, by the way, she wouldn't hesitate or mind at all if I called her a sheep. And that's what God wants from us. And so do you love him? And does the love that you have for Jesus motivate you to be feeding sheep? It's a simple, simple question. But man, is it significant. And when we ask it and answer it in the right way, God may just use us the way he used Peter. The way that he used Michelle on that day. Lord, I pray that you would use us. God, I pray that you would fill our hearts with total love for you. Help our response, Father, to you to be one which is absolutely a response to the way that you've reached out to your world and reached out to us. And because of that, we devote ourselves to you in love. And then, Father, call us through the love that we have for you to to feed other sheep. Help us to minister to each other because of what we've seen in you. And we thank you for the example of Jesus. Help us to continue to follow after the ministry of Christ, the minister of the apostles. 
Help us to be the church. It's through Jesus that we pray. Amen.